We are starting a new summer series that's going to take us all the way up into the second week of September. We're going to, we're going to take a fresh look at the Ten Commandments, and, and we're going to kind of look at the Ten Commandments probably in a different way than maybe you've looked at them before. And some of you may have the question, uh, this question may pop up in your mind, is the Ten Commandments relevant for today. They, you know, many of us, they just seem so ancient. They were given to Charleston Heston like a million years ago, right? They just, it just, it doesn't compute. And, and I think one of the reasons why the Ten Commandments may bother us is that it seems like a bunch of rules, thou shall not. And, and there's something inside of us that don't like a bunch of rules, the minute we hear, thou shall not, there's something intrinsically inside of us, right, that wants to rebel. We don't like all those rules. The, the proclivity of our heart is to rebel against those things in those boxes that were made to be put in. Some of you got into a lot of trouble. You still get into a lot of trouble just because you like to. You like you like movies like Rebel Without a Cause, James Dean. You, you like Marlon Brando in the, in the Wild One, right? You, 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 when asked, why did you do that? Your response is, I just wanted to, you know? You, you do just something inside of us. But how many of you know we absolutely need a moral compass in our lives? God understands that about his creation. He understands that we need perimeters. We need guardrails around our lives. And sad to say, we live in a world today that in many ways has lost its moorings, has lost its anchor. Someone said this, and I thought it was just so profound. They said, our democracy cannot survive if there is not a moral consensus because its direction is determined by a majority vote. And if the majority of the people don't have sound morals, then the country is going to decay. And people, let me just say this. If you don't see that in our country today, we need to get our heads out of the sand. That is why we need God. We have lost our way, and He is a merciful God to restore us. So before we jump into this, uh, the commandments in the first commandment today, and we're going to go through one for the next 10 weeks, uh, let's first look at the wrong way to look at the Ten Commandments. Because what we can tend to do is we can look at the Ten Commandments as a checklist of righteous living. If, if, if I just get that passing grade, if I just get seven out of ten, I'm doing good, Right? So, so we grade ourselves on a scale because that's what we're used to, right? In school, you're, you're, you're graded on, on a scale. You're, you're graded if it's a 65 or higher, that's a passing grade. You cannot look at the commandments as getting 7 out of 10 right in order to get a passing grade. If I've got a passing grade of 70, I'm good, and I get to go to heaven. Let me just... Let me just tell you this, starting in the fall, we're going to start a new series on heaven. I am so excited about this series. I wrote like five messages in two days, I think, because I got so excited. I was just going crazy. We're going to look at the question of heaven and hell, and it's going to start on September, in September, and I just can't wait for that. So that's just a free plug for you right there and now. But let, let's get over this notion that the commandments are just a bunch of rules that I can or cannot keep. It's not, it's so much more than just what you do. The Ten Commandments were not given to restrict you, but actually to free you. The commandments were not given to hurt us and to show us how miserable we are, but actually to help us to find the grace of God. In fact, the Ten Commandments are actually a summary of all 613 commandments found in the Old Testament law. So the purpose of the commandments of God is not to see if you can keep them perfectly, because really if you broke one of the six, 613 laws, guess what? You broke them all. So then you begin to think, well, what's the purpose 
Because if you break them, you just end up being a failure and nobody can keep them. What's the point? The point was not to prove what a failure you are. The point was to prove what a holy God we serve. That God is perfect and we are not. The commandments point to our sin to show how we've fallen short of God's perfection, that we cannot please him through our own goodness. Listen, religion is a dangerous thing. I said that in church. I did. Religion is a dangerous thing for this reason. Religion is man's attempt to try to reach God. The moment you try to set up a religion that says, if I do this and I do this, I can have access to God. God says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. There is no one that can ever approach me in your own goodness or righteousness. In fact, Ecclesiastes tells us that surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. All of you are a bunch of sinners and myself included. Okay, we are. We're all a bunch of sinners. No matter how perfect you think you are or how perfect your little honor student is, they're all little sinners, okay? They're all sinners. We're all sinners. There's no one that's righteous. So the law, what it does is It points to our sin and how we've fallen short of God's perfection. What the commandments do then is to show us the need for God's grace and mercy. Can I get an amen? Okay, you're with me, 830 crowd, all right? You're too much partying on the 4th of July. See, we can only find God's grace, grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, who was perfect. And the Bible tells us that he met all the righteous demands of the law. Okay, so pastor, does that mean that we're off the hook? No way, Jose. You are still not off the hook, even though you're a sinner, and even though you can't keep all the law, you are not off the hook. In order for us to have a relationship with God, we have to come to him on his terms. So here's the deal with the commandments. The commandments show us how to relate to God and have a correct relationship with him. And the only way we can fulfill that is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ fulfilled all the demands of the law. If you try to leave Jesus Christ out of it or try to bypass Jesus Christ, you will be left in your sins and you will fail miserably. But the good news is, and the whole reason why Jesus came is not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. And for those who put their faith in Christ Jesus, now what God does is he imputes the righteous acts of Christ into your life. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. And so this comes by faith, not by my works. So we are sinners that are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, which now makes us righteous through Jesus' perfect, wonderful, sacrificial act on the cross 2,000 years ago. Amen? So it has to come through Christ. So does that mean we do away with the law? No, no, no. So let us look at the commandments as a way not to see if I've got a passing grade or if I've got to work my way into heaven. If I've got seven out of ten, that's good enough because that's never good enough. You've got to come through Christ in order to get to God, in order to find eternal life. But let's look at the commandments in a way is to draw near to God. Jesus said, basically, you can sum up the commandments in these two in the New Testament. So we understand that the commandments are not obsolete because Jesus talked about it. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus said, and he said to them, you shall, here, here's how you sum up the whole commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All 613 commandments or laws 
Jesus just boiled them down into two. I like that kind of teaching right there, right? Don't get me all confused on six. It would make me go Lulu, right? It would make me go crazy trying to figure out all. Did I do all of them? Did I miss? Wait a minute. Did I miss 532 today? Honey, can you get out the book there? Go to page 500. Did I miss that? You know, here's what Jesus says. It's not about all the 613 commandments. It is about this, loving God and loving your neighbor. People, we have not gotten this right in 2,000 years of the church. We're still messing it up, aren't we? Look at your neighbor and say, we're still messing it up. Look at him. We're still messing it up. Okay, so here we go. We've got to get this right. Listen, people, why are churches unhealthy? That reason right there. Why are relationships unhealthy? Because we haven't got the first two right. We're worried about 562 of the commandments. Which one is, did I get 562 right? And meanwhile, Jesus says, no, you got to get these two right. And if we get these two right, we're not, a, not only are we going to have a healthy relationship with God, but we're going to have a healthy relationship with one another, and Jesus Christ will be glorified within his church. Amen? So let's get this right. So what does it boil down to? Here's what it boils down to. Jesus says it boils down to a relationship, not a religion. Your relationship with God is most important, and secondly, your relationship with one another. And that's exactly how the Ten Commandments can be summarized. In fact, commandment number one through four deals with our relationship with God, and commandments five through ten deals with our relationships with one another. The commandments are not this bad list of do's and don'ts. They're all good, and they are guardrails to protect and bless us in our relationships and God and one another. How many of you want to have a blessed life? Okay, three of you. Good. I, I want to have a blessed life. I do. I want God's blessing on me. I want God's blessing on my relationships. I want his hand on my life. I want to please God in what I do. Right? And it's, it can't be done through my constant effort of, God, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Did I do enough good? Did, did I do commandment number 432 right today? God, am I good? Am I good? God, did I go to church? God, did I do this enough? God, and it, meanwhile, it's this endless pursuit of nothingness because you're doing it in your own strength. God says, pursue me with your heart because you love me for what I've done for you. And then your Christian walk becomes vibrant. Some of you here today, your Christian walk is like the crusty stuff that's left on your cereal bowl because you put no water in your bowl, right? Because I have three kids. They don't, listen, in my house, here's the sink, okay? Here's the dishwasher. Rinse the bowl, put the bowl in the dishwasher. Parents, can I get an amen from you parents? I know. Not only do they not put water in the bowl, but they just leave the cereal in there and it's like concrete by the end of the day, right? Some of us here, our hearts are like concrete towards the Lord. We've waxed cold towards the Lord. Why? Because we're trying to pursue God through a religious type of relationship and not a vibrant relationship that says, God, I love you with all my heart, mind, and soul. Because if you start doing that, your life's going to change. Not only is your life going to change, but your relationships will change. God wants us to remember to live by these commandments so that our lives will be blessed. So let's look at them. Exodus 20, we're going to read all of them today, and then we'll take... One for the next 10 weeks. Exodus 21 through 17. God giving Charles, I mean, uh, Moses the Ten Commandments here on Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments for the covenant community. This was covenantal relationship that God wanted to bind himself to his people and his people to him. And so let's look at these Exodus 20. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. 
You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image of anything in heaven or on earth or, or in the sea. You must not bow down, to, bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sin of the parents upon their children and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one is in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your livestock or any foreign foreigners living among you. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. Do not you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. I want you to see something here. The commandments start with what is most important, and that is our relationship to God. If if this is in order, everything else will fall into place. So here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Why are our lives at times so out of order? You see, it basically boils down to, with our priorities. It all boils down to our priorities. God has set for us what is important, but if our priorities are not in order, we will not have a healthy Christian walk with the Lord. Now notice what God says in the very, very beginning of this list. I am the Lord your God that rescued you from Egypt in slavery. God is reminding them of where they came from. The commandments would help Israel draw close to God and keep their intimacy with him. You see, God wasn't there just to, just to uh, put their, his foot on their throat and just to show them how bad they are and how many mistakes they were going to make. God said, no, the reason why I'm giving you these commandments is covenantal language. It's a love language. This is how you're going to keep your intimacy with me because I know what's out there. I know the proclivity of your heart. I know that you're going to be, uh, you're going to be, you're going to prone to wander and walk away from me in my relationship. So God is reminding them of where they came from. The commandments would help the Israelites draw close to God and keep their intimacy with him. That's what God cared about. They were there for their protection. And we need to be reminded how easily we can fail if we are not careful. And so many times we may think, well, I don't want these rules because I don't like these rules. How many of you, if you're a good parent and, there, and there's a diamondback rattlesnake in your backyard and your three-year-old child goes up and wants to play with it. And you're like, well, little Johnny wants to play with it. And, and we let little Johnny explore. And we let little Johnny do what little Johnny wants to do, right? Are you going to let your three-year-old play with a diamondback rattlesnake? No way. You're, because little Johnny doesn't understand that that thing could bite him and kill him, right? See, what God cares, God cares about us so much is he knows literally what can bite us and what can kill us. So stop, let us stop looking at God's commands as a bunch of rules or do's and don'ts. My children, sometimes when I lay down rules and regulations, they may not like it. But you know what? Tough. Because I know what's best for them. They may not see it. They may not understand. But I'm saying, listen, the reason why this and that. And, and Lily asked me a question the other day. Well, can I? Why not? And I'm like, Lily, listen, here's the reason why. Because I want to protect you as your dad. Because there's a lot of wackos out there. And there's a lot of people that would like to hurt you out there. And this is the reason why. And then she's like, oh, okay, dad. Because she just trusts me. Because she knows I love her. She knows, it's not that I want to keep something from her or stop her from enjoying something. It's because I know it's a snake that can bite. Can I get an amen? Right? 
So here's what God's saying. Listen, be careful. I know, remember where you came from. Remember the slavery that I brought you out of. I'm here to protect you because I truly love you. And I've drawn you out of Egypt to show you you that the Lord your God is God. That I want to have a covenantal relationship with you. I love this quote from the author Lance Witt. He talks about how we need to remind ourselves of where we have come from and how easily we can default to things that are wrong. I I like what he says here. He says, over the last five years, he's a pastor for many years, written many books, but he says this. Over the last five years, I have read a lot of classics on spiritual formation. And one of the glaring distinctions between these older writings and contemporary Christian literature has to do with the issue of depravity. The spiritual giants that have come before us have had a much greater awareness of their depravity. And they often wrote about it. They seem to be, in, they seem to be more in touch with what they were capable of And as the result, they didn't trust themselves. We hear a lot today about self-discovery, leveraging our strength, maximizing our potential. But I need to realize that my potential isn't always positive. I have the potential to destroy my marriage. I have the potential to divide a church. I have the potential to bring disgrace to the name of Jesus. God has a long history of reminding his people of their brokenness. Amen. Right? Listen, I think this is, this is what God was doing with the Israelites. He was reminding them of their brokenness and the slavery that they were under. Don't forget this because you can easily go right back to that. People, listen, we live in such an affirming society today that almost makes me want to stick a spatula down my throat and gag myself, okay? It's just like, you're wonderful. Everybody's a snowflake. Everybody's an individual. Oh, Johnny's so wonderful. He's perfect. Oh, you know, we don't keep score anymore on soccer games or baseball games. When they're Listen, you win and you lose. Get over it, okay? Life isn't fair. That's a new one, right? It's not. So if, if one of my kids is disappointed about something, someone got more, I said, you know what? Life isn't fair. Get over it. Really. Not to be mean, but get over it. Life isn't fair. And so well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make everything fair and everybody, and everybody feels special, but you know what? We've got to be careful here. And I'm not saying you don't, inc- please don't write me hate mail and say, Pastor, you don't encourage your kids. You're so mean. I'm glad I'm not your child. I'm the best dad in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, listen, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. Realize the potential of your heart is to do great things for God, but there's also a potential in there to do things that are not so godly. If we're honest with ourselves, we've been in both places, right? We need the commandments in our life. We need to restore them into our families. We need to restore them back to the church. And we need to start living them in our own personal lives. It's it's vital, people. Because there's a slow ebbing away in the church today of moving away from the very things that create and cause us to be holy before God. We need to be called to the carpet on things that are not godly and not right. And what we begin to do is we begin to juxtapose our lives against other Christians who may not be living their lives righteously. And we say, oh, well, they're doing pretty good, so I'm going to live. No, 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 no. Don't be living your lives against someone else. You live your life against the word of God. That's our ultimate authority. And so God's saying, don't look at the people around you. Don't look at Egypt. You look to me and the relationship that I'm setting up with you. And if you do that, your life will be blessed. So the commandments are a reminder that we can easily stray. So what I want to do today is let's look at the first one. And the first one basically says, have no other gods before me. Now, what does this mean? Because I think for us, this can be very foreign. For Israel in the land of Canaan, it was filled with other gods that would give them false promises. They came out of Egypt, a land filled with gods, and God, uh, God promised uh, uh, that th- these gods would promise them to give them rain and wealth and fertility and all these other things. 
And we may say to ourselves, well, I'm not worshiping Ra, the sun god of Egypt, or Molech, the god of the Ammonites, or Baal, the god of Canaan. Uh, and we know that they can't deliver. And for some of us, that can seem so foreign. And we know that they did not set Israel free. And for some of us, say, well, I'm not doing these things. The question we need to ask ourselves is, what are we putting before God? What have, what have we put before God that, that takes priority over our lives. It was interesting. We were in Arizona over Easter break, went to Sedona, beautiful area, love the desert, just unbelievable. You go into Sedona, it is a new age Mecca. Everywhere you turn, mediums, go on a spiritual vortex in the desert and try to find your spirit. I mean, all, it was just, it was a, it was spiritual, man. It was a trip. People walking around in tie-dye shirts and VW buses and the air smelled real funny. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was a happen. It was beautiful, but man, it was, a, it was a scene. It was spiritual, the wrong kind of spiritual, but it was spiritual. People were worshiping the creation. Don't tell me there's not gods today that people aren't worshiping. And so, see, see the bottom line is, Paul says in Romans 1, one, we worship the creation, not the creator. So let's fast forward to our day. What, what, what do we worship? Well, we worship what we worship. Celebrities. What is so-and-so doing? We follow them and what their tweets are. Sports celebrities, reality celebrities from swamp people to Jersey housewives. Not too much far apart. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we love the turtle man, right? We, you, know, you, you, know, you know, I'm telling you, we... We worship a lot of stuff, people, right? And so, whether it's our sports teams, whether we get more excited about how they're doing than, than worshiping God, we have, and I'm not saying that, that necessarily liking a sports team or doing all those things are necessarily wrong, but what, is it a priority in our life? Is that the thing that gives me emotional stability in my life is whether my team wins or loses and I'm in a good mood or not in a good mood? Is, is that the cornerstone of my life. We worship our kids. We vicariously live through our kids. You see, how are we doing at putting God first? And is he taking precedence in the things in our lives? And, and I believe what it really boils down to, this first commandment boils down to honor. God, am I honoring you in my life, in my everyday life? It, 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 are my priorities correct? So the big question is, how does this look practically? How do we put God first in our life so that we know we're honoring him, that, that, that other things are, are, not, are not taking precedence over our lives so that our lives are in the right priority? And, and basically, I just want to give you three things real quickly. Three things in the way we can honor God. So how do we honor God? And I just want to give you three quick things here and how we can honor God in our lives. The first, this is the way we honor God. This is how we put God first. Give God the first of your time. Give God the first of your time. How are, how are we honoring God with our time? I, I heard this story about a teacher who was with her class, and um, she took out a bowl, and then she took out some rocks and she started to take the rocks and uh, fill up the bowl. So she said to the class, okay class, tell me when the bowl is full of the rocks and there's little Johnny out there. If your name is John, I really apologize, but I just like the name Johnny. There's little Johnny and John, she goes, tell me when it's full. And Johnny goes, okay, the, the, the bowl is filled. The, the, the bowl is, is filled. And she goes, oh, is it, is it really full? And he goes, yeah, yeah, the bowl's full. And then she, she took out some sand and she began to, to fill the bowl with sand. And she goes, okay, everybody, tell me when it's full. And little Johnny, he was such a snowflake. He was such a smart little kid. And little Johnny said, okay, teacher, the, the, the bowl is filled now with, with the sand. She goes, are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we're sure it's all filled. And she goes, are you positive? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, cause it was a smart group of kids, right? And so then she took out some water and she began to fill it with water. And she goes, okay, begin to tell me when it's full. 
right? And then the kids, okay, it's full. And she goes, okay, okay, kids, kids, tell me, tell me the point of the story. And little Johnny raises his hand and says, there's always one more thing we can add to our lives. Isn't that a sad commentary of our lives today? There's always one more thing that we can add to our lives. You see, we don't think, we think we can buy more time. You can't buy any more time. Time is a precious gift that God gives us. How are we honoring God with our time? Why are we so burned out? The answer is we allow the pressures of our lives to dictate our lives instead of our priorities. That was a good amen moment because I'm going to back it up. Boop, boop, boop. Let me say it again. Why are we burned out? The answer is we allow the pressures of our lives to dictate our lives instead of our priorities. You know, guys, that gets me excited when you amen. That, woo, that gets me going. Okay, so here it goes. Am I giving God the first of my day? Meaning what Ruth is. Ruth's finally with me. Ruth, it took you a while. We're only about half an hour in the sermon, but good. Ruth is with me now, okay? Good. Listen, when I wake up in the morning, am I honoring God by thinking about him? Am I honoring God by reading his word? Am I honoring God by just saying, God, this is the day that you have made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it? Or is the first thing I do is I wake up and I turn on the news or I do something else or whatever it may be? Am I honoring God in the first part of my day? Am I honoring God in, in the first part of the week? Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? What? Am I, am I going to church on the first day of the week? Do I, do I honor God by saying, God, listen, not only are you going to have the first of my day, but you're going to have the first of the week. We're going to honor you by coming together with God's people Right? I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here today. I know this is one of the lowest attended weeks because it's 4th of July, so I'll give everybody a little break here, okay? Whenever on vacation, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but listen, think about it. Where are my priorities? Is church my priority? Let me just say this. I thank God that my parents made church a non-negotiable. My parents made me go where that didn't want to go or not. They didn't ask me, how are you feeling today, Barney? Do you feel like going to church? You know how many times I felt like going to church before I was a Christian? Zero, okay? Zero. But you know what? What I saw in my parents was an example that God was their priority. That not just coming to church religiously like it's some religious act, because my dad lived his Christian walk at home as much as he did at church, okay? So let's get over the notion that you guys come to church and then you live like Satan at home, okay? Let, let's remember, this is a priority thing. Church is a non-negotiable. The first day of the week, we come together. The Bible tells us, don't forsake meeting with the brethren. The early church met together on the first day of the week to celebrate the, the, the risen Savior, Right? Make it a priority. They modeled it for me. Am I giving God the first of my day? Am I giving God the first of my week? Going to worship with God's people. Time, time, time. God, is there another rock in my bowl? Is there another thing that I'm adding that's slow? Listen, that's slowly but surely pushing away my produce. So here's what you do. Listen, listen. I was with somebody with my daughter at a lacrosse game. And this person came to me and they said they had a tournament on Sunday and he looked at me and he says, well, I guess you won't be here tomorrow. And I said, you know what? I would still be here even if I wasn't a pastor. I'd still be going to church. People, listen. We, we've got to get to the point where we say, this is important. This is important. My relationship with you, God, is important. You, listen, I don't mean to get down on you, okay? Listen. You can, tell, blah, you can tell me all day long how you put God first, but it's seen in how we live our lives. Just, just something to pray about, okay? I'm just saying, okay? It's seen in the way we live our lives. Okay, let me get off that because no one's talking now. Okay, let's get on the next one, okay? Give God the first of your time. Next one is give God the first of your treasure. And what do I mean by this? How are you doing it honoring God 
with your finances. The, the principle of the Old Testament is you gave God first and recognition and all that he's blessed you with. In fact, the proverb, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 say, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Notice the two words there that the proverb writer uses, honor and first fruit. The word honor there in the Hebrew means to be heavy. Honor is to give weight to someone. In the Hebrew mind, it meant giving power and respect. The bottom line is God doesn't need your money. He's doing quite fine. But he's giving us an opportunity to bless his name with what he's blessed us with. See, but by us giving to God, we honor him and give him right place in our life. That was the tithe in the Old Testament. It was 10% of all their increase they would give back to God as an honor. It was, in fact, the tithe was holy to the Lord. He says, God, I'm going to honor you because you've blessed us. You've given us 90% to live on, 10% we're going to give back to you, and we're going to worship, we worship you with it and thank you for it because what we're doing is we're recognizing, listen, we're recognizing that you're first, not only in our time, but you're also first with our finances. So when we come into church and we give and we take, and we take the offering, it's a time where we worship the Lord. It's not a break in the service. It's a time where we worship the Lord. And you say, when you write that check out, your tie check, and you say, God, we as a family, we're honoring you by worshiping you and saying that you're first even in our finances by worshiping you. Something breaks in your heart when you begin to do that because what you begin to recognize is that nothing is yours and everything is God's. And that, that God is ultimately the owner and you are just the manager. That's how you honor God. You honor God in all the decisions and all the purchases that you make. Listen, God wants you to enjoy the earth and the things that he's given us. Amen? I love to fish. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me fish. Amen? Because Jesus said, go be fishers of men. I'm just being biblical, okay? Right? Listen, he wants you to enjoy those things, but don't let those things become priority and idols in your life. Then it gets out of whack, right? So by me honoring God the first of the day, first of the week, first of my finances, all those other things are so much more enjoyable. That is such good preaching right there. Oh my goodness. You got, you got to amen me in the right places, okay? All right. So here we go. Listen, here we go. Here we go. So we understand what honor means, but he says here, the first fruits were the first of their increase. This is what that means. The first fruit meant the best. Not, not the last of your harvest. My, my wife went strawberry picking last week. Not a good year. And she went out there and she got a lot of strawberries. Bless her heart. She makes great strawberry jam. Mm -mm -mm. And so she came back and she came back with quarts of strawberries. And the girl's like, man, how did you find those? She goes, well, there's not many left. It was just a, a bad season. You had to be, she goes, man, if you were the first ones out there, it was good. But we were, she was kind of the tail end of the, the strawberries. See, God says, no, I don't want the last and the sloppy seconds I want the first. I want the best. This is honoring God by saying, you are first in my life. First of the day, first of the week, first with my finances. Right off the top, God, I'm saying, I'm honoring you. Here's what you've blessed me with this increase. And right off the top, I'm going to give it back to you because I want to honor you in my life. And I want to worship you because by me doing this, I'm saying to myself, you're number one. Okay, you're, get, you're getting there. I had, to, I had to prompt you there. I had to prompt you, but you're getting there. Okay, so listen, first fruit, honor, best, first in my life. Here's the last one. The last one is give God the first of your talent. Time, treasure, talent. So what does this mean? Well, the Vines Expository Dictionary defines it this way. The word originally meant a balance. Then it became to known as a talent and weight was a, 
a hence of a sum of money in gold or silver equivalent to a talent. It was like a unit of measurement. The original meaning was something weighed and has provided the English word that we get talent for today is gift or ability. And so what God is saying to us is God has given us each talents, a weight of of measurement or a weight of responsibility. God has given us some measure of gifting in your life. Every single one of you are gifted with something that God has given you. Amen? God has given, God has gifted all of us. And some of you have the gift of hospitality. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. We've got a wonderful band here with wonderful musicians and singers with the gift of, of music. Some of you, God has blessed you in the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, God, it all comes from Him, right? So this is a measure of talent that God has given us. So the way we honor God is by saying, God, what am I doing with the talents that you have given me? And God has given us all natural gifts, and through Christ, He gives us supernatural gifts, and Jesus even tells this parable in Matthew 25 where a master leaves and he, three servants, he gives them a talent of money, one to five, one two, and, and the last one talent, and they were to invest it. And the master came back and the one with five doubled it, the one with two doubled it, and the one that had one did nothing with it. And the universal meaning of this parable was, what are you doing with the talents that God has given you? So if, if, if you're a good cook and you're good at baking apple pies, then make one for me, right? Amen. Come on. It, it, listen, whatever your gift is, say, God, how am I honoring you first in my life? Now, let me just get this down. There's some of you, like for me, I would love to be a singer. I would love just to sing like Andy and Mike, and I would love to be a singer, and I may think that I have that gift, but guess what? I ain't got that gift, okay? So, so someone just has to come to me and say, Pastor Barn, as much as I love you, you don't really have a good singing voice. I hate to break the news to you. Not that great, right? So now, that was the wrong place to amen me. Okay, I'm losing. I'm I'm you guys are out of control. You know, I've been here 13 years. You think I would have trained you well by now. You don't know when to amen. You amen me at the wrong, but you hurt my feelings. Okay. <laughs> what are your gifts? What are your talents that the Lord has given you? And, and we need to ask ourselves, God, how am I honoring you by doing that? And the way we honor the Lord is by using them to build up the body of Christ. And it can just be, it can be simple stuff. They just say, God, Use my gifts. Some of you have a green thumb. And I thank God for, for people that come and just spruce up the church. Carol and Wayne Miller come and they spruce. That's their gift. God bless. Go do your gift. Because that's not my gift. But that's your gift. Go do it. And it's beautiful when it's beautiful when God's people begin to use their gifts that God has given them to build up the body and it doesn't stop with me. So you need to ask yourself, God. What are my gifts? So as we're looking at this first commandment, we need to ask ourselves, how am I doing at honoring God in my life with my time, with my treasure, with my talents? God, are you really first in those areas? You see, listen to me. Our service to God is in response to the grace that God has poured out on us in his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, catch me here because I, I, I don't want you to miss this. Listen, you can sit there and say, okay, I'm gonna start tithing. I'm gonna start giving the, I can start giving the first of my day. I'll start coming to church every week. But you know what? That can turn into religious mundane service like anything else. Can I get an amen, right? So how do we protect ourselves from this? from becoming just another religious service and another checklist of I'm being a good Christian boy or girl. Listen, don't allow those things to become your merit on how good or bad a Christian you are. Because if they're not done through God's grace, it's just works. 
So what you have to protect your heart from is you have to say, God, am I doing this through the grace that you poured out of me on Christ Jesus, through your son, Jesus Christ? Because God's the one that's going to give you the grace to do all these things, right? When you wake up in the morning and say, God, I want to serve you because I love you, not because I have to do it. God, I want to come to church because I want to, because that's the pride of my life. Lord, I want to give to you because I just want to honor you. Not that anybody has to know about it. Lord, I just want to give to you because I love you. I want to use my gifts and talents to you because I want to serve you because I love you. And here's the reason. Here's how you check yourself. Here's how you check yourself. When you begin to do things with the wrong motives, you begin to look for accolades. Right? I, I heard one guy say this, and I just thought it made a lot of sense. He said this, you know, what bothers me when we hear about these great spiritual leaders, oh, they woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, they prayed for 8 hours a day, and everybody knows about it. This one author said this, he goes, I like the guys that you never hear about. You never know what they do. The, 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 the Jesus, you don't know what the left hand or the right hand is doing. The people that just do it when they do it and they don't need the accolades, they don't need someone patting them on their back all the time. And believe me, we need to encourage each other, that's fine. But when we begin to do things to get noticed, we're not doing them through God's grace. So here's, here's how you protect your heart by honoring God. Say, God, I'm doing this because it's in response of the grace that you poured out upon me through your son, Jesus. And I want to serve him out of grace. And God will give you the grace to read his word, to give, to come to church. Let God grab your heart to show you what his son Jesus did for you. And so when we come to the communion table, as we begin to take communion today, I want you just to say this. Say, God, I just want to honor you. And I want it to start right now in communion, anew and afresh. And God, I want you just to inspect my life. And if there are priorities that I need to change, not because I feel beat up or I feel condemned or make it another legalistic work that I have to do in my life, but Lord, I want to do this out of response for what you've done for me through your son, Jesus. And I want your grace to propel me to give. I want your grace to propel me to, to begin to serve others. I want your grace to propel me to want to know you as I wake up in the morning. I want your grace to propel me to give like I've never given before. Amen. So let that be your response as you take communion this morning. So I want you to bow your hearts this morning. And... Uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time. And just, ushers, just wait for just, you can come forward, ushers, and just wait up front, prepare yourselves. We're going to pray over the, over, over the elements today, and we're just going to ask God just to touch our hearts. And then what we'll do is um, just listen to the words that Russ and Amy are going to sing today. And um, just hold on one moment, Tom. Um, listen to the words that Russ and Amy are going to, to sing today. And, 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 understand what Christ has done for you. So let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord just to touch our hearts and just begin to allow God to move in our hearts right now. Jesus, as we bow our hearts before you now, Lord, I pray that, God, you would reprioritize our life. That, Lord, we would begin to look at our relationship with you and begin to look at these commandments as not stipulations to hold us back, but actually stipulations to move us and propel us forward to be set free in you. Lord, I pray that we would be motivated by your grace. And as we take communion today, Lord, I pray that you would just flush our heart of all the things and all the things that we've built up in our lives, that we would see Jesus for what he's done for us, that he gave his life for us, that he is a servant, that he came to serve and not be served, that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And Lord, may our lives now for you, God, be in response of a heart of gratitude for what you've done for us. Thank you for the relationship that we have with you, God, that we could only have through your son, Jesus. So God, cleanse us anew and afresh. Lord, I pray for every heart here today, for those that maybe have never made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus, Lord, they can do that right now and bow their hearts before him and you can save them, you can deliver them, you can cleanse them of, of all their sins. And so Lord, I pray that you would do that right now. Cleanse our hearts, renew us anew and afresh, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. As the ushers begin to,
to serve you this morning. Uh, let's wait to the end. We'll wait to the end to take communion together. And let me just say, communion is open to everyone. You don't have to be a member of our church. But uh, if you are a member of God's family and you've pro- professed Christ as Lord and Savior, by all means, you are free uh, to take communion today. So God bless you as, uh, as we worship together and taking communion. Amen. his praises one day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin dwelt among men my example is he the word became flesh and his light shined among us his glory revealed Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. and rejected bearing our sin my redeemer is he the hands that healed nations stretched out on a tree he took the nails for me
Amen. Amen. I love that song. See, here's what's wonderful about communion is we look back at what Christ has done for us. Also, we look forward that he's coming for us. And the Bible tells us that he's coming for a, a spotless bride without any stain or wrinkle. And here's the wonderful thing. I, what I love about God's grace is that it covers all my mistakes. It covers all my shortcomings. That when I come to Christ, the Bible says that I can confess my sins and he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's how powerful the blood of Christ is. It cleanses you. His sacrifice was perfect. He met all the demands of the law. So when you feel weak and you don't feel like a good Christian, right, come to Christ and fall on his grace and mercy and say, I can't do it without you. I can't do it with, without you, Lord. I, I want you to so grab my heart in my life that I can just know your grace is there available. And it is. His mercy and his grace is available each and every day. So, Lord, as we hold this bread in our hands, we recognize that it's your body that was given for us, that you are the bread of life, that, Jesus, without your sacrifice, we could never find forgiveness and we could never be reconciled back to God. And so we thank you and we remember what you've done and we remember that you are coming back, just as the song said, and it's going to be a glorious day. And I thank you, Jesus, that everything is going to be made right that you're going to restore all things. And so, Lord, help us, even in the midst of, of our trials and, and whatever difficult thing we're faced with, to know that you are coming back. That, Jesus, you even said, in this world, you will have tribulation and troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so may we put our trust in you and you alone, dear Jesus. So we thank you for this bread that symbolizes your body that was given for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together as a family. Amen. And Lord, we thank you for this cup. Lord, we know your word says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. And we thank you for your sacrifice that you did for us. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. You substituted your life for us. We should have been the ones. But Jesus, you gave your perfect life for us that through our faith in you, we could find forgiveness and cleansing from all our sins that we could now be in right fellowship with God the Father. So we thank you for this cup. We thank you for your blood that was poured out for us, that cleanses us, that makes us whiter than snow. So God, I pray for every person here that it just feels like a failure as a Christian. It feels like they've made too many mistakes. Lord, I pray that you would cover them now in your forgiveness as we confess our shortcomings to you and you fill us with your grace and mercy, God. Thank you that we can't do it without you. Thank you for providing everything we need to serve you. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. Amen. God is good. Let's stand together. Good, good word today. So glad you guys were here today. Amen. Just grab the hand of the person next to you. And... Um, Let's just pray God's blessing as we go in his presence today. Amen. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray for everyone here, the people on our right and on our left. Lord, I pray for our church, that God, you would just bind us together with cords that could not easily be broken, that we would be ultimately united in Christ Jesus, that we would be a church that would be known for how we serve each other and how we love each other. So Lord, continue to draw us together as a body, Lord. And thank you most of all, for your son, Jesus, that makes this possible. So go with us now, and I just pray your blessing on every family, every individual, Lord, and we just go in your grace now, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Amen.